Welcome to the Real Self University podcast. I'm Eva Shea, your host and director of practice development at Real Self. Jason Posner is a South Florida-based plastic surgeon who's well-known for being an early adopter and champion of new technology. He's seen as an expert in his field and continues to work hard to be on the cutting edge of innovation and technology in the field of cosmetic surgery. On today's episode, Dr. Posner tells us the story of the unusual circumstances around the purchase of his first laser, predicts what's next in non-surgical body contouring and injectables, and shares his honest feelings about what it means to be real self-verified. So we're here at ASPS in San Diego, and I'm with Jason Posner, who practices in Boca Raton, Florida. Very interesting market. Tell us about that market a little bit. What's it like? It, you know, it's a it's a pretty good market. It's a, a lot of cosmetic surgery. Remember, we're in the sun, and you know, people don't wear that much clothes at times. So there's a lot of beach effort. So, you know, we try to keep people healthy and happy. What's the average age of your the most you know, of your patient? You know, base? it's it's interesting. I would say that probably if you look at all comers, average is probably in the 40s or 50s. But, you know, it's a wide range because sometimes they bring me their daughters and then um, sometimes I'll do a, I did a facelift on an 84-year-old male a month or two ago. Oh, interesting. So, across the board. But generally, they self-select themselves out because if you have someone who's an octogenarian, you know, you, you're not operating on someone who's had 100 heart attacks and uh, is on a bunch of blood thinners. You're talking about someone who's remarkably healthy for their age and their life expectancy is quite long. What do you love most about being in that market? What's the best thing about being in Florida? I'm away from everybody else, and a lot of the people don't bother me. <laughs> Who's everybody else? All the other plastic surgeons. It's you know, it, it's there's enough business for everybody. The competition is good, but it's not crazy. We don't badmouth each other. There's a pretty good camaraderie, and you know, people are busy playing golf and dealing with their kids and vacations. So they're not killing each other like they do in other markets and bad mouthing them. So we have a pretty good, like somebody needs an instrument, they'll come over my office and it happened the other day, they, they needed something, no problem, happy to help out. So good camaraderie among our peers. That's nice. I, I don't hear that about every market. No, New York is terrible. California is a little rough as well. How did you end up where you are? I know you have a huge practice, and I think you were one of the first plastic surgeons in the country to even have a medical spa. You know, it's I I believe that life is far as gump. And there are opportunities that arise, and you just need to be able to take those opportunities. So I trained in New York. I did a fellowship in Baltimore. And I stayed on his practice for a year in aesthetic fellowship. And then things got just, he married his office manager and it probably wasn't the best place for me to be long term. And I got a job offer from a, a clinic in Florida. So I came down and worked my butt off for a year and a half or so and made enough money to open my own place and, you know, basically on a shoestring budget. And then after a number of years, I, my interest has always been on like these energy devices. And it happened during my fellowship that while I was in Baltimore, he got his ultra-pulse laser the week before I got there. And what happened was, basically, it was my job to figure out how to use the laser and develop some good relationships in the industry. And then when I was in Florida, I, I kind of rode the cusp because I started doing Botox, I started doing fillers, and this was the early days of energy devices. I started working with different devices and then I kind of realized a point where, wow, we're making a lot of money with this and the patients like this. And, you know, I stayed with it over the years. So for 20 something years, I've 
every year I go to these meetings and I, I learn about new things and picked up today new needles and new lasers and new IRBs and new studies. And I believe that's the future of our specialty, which is less invasive things that give more bang for your buck. Back in the day when I started, you, all there was was a facelift and a laser, basically. Now there's a lot of non-insurgical things that we can do. And the continuum of care is not just the you know, 65-year-old lady who wants a facelift. It uh, starts in your 30s and continues up to facelifts and everything. So we, we basically capture the patient for life and take good care of them. What was the first laser you ever bought with your own money? Yeah, so the first one was, uh, I, I bought a used laser off a friend of mine, was a Conbio, uh, through, a, through a dealer, but a Conbio Q-Switch uh, 532-1064 laser. That was the first laser I had. The second one was more important for my career. That was a Cyton. And that's the first, that was my relationship. I was actually, we're in San Diego. I was in San Diego. During my fellowship, I had done work with coherent lasers. And we had an ultra pulse, and we were working with one of their Q-switch devices, the Versa Pulse. And I met all the engineers, and I met them down here in San Diego. And I, they, a lot of the guys left Coherent and started a new company called Cyton. And uh, all I remember is they took me to Tijuana, and the next week I had a laser. So I, I, I kind of life was a blur between that Tijuana visit and the laser, but and that started my twenty-something year road to with Cyton, and I'm still been working with them twenty-something years later. <laughs> we gotta talk about Tijuana. I don't remember. We, we have to pause for a second because the noise—it's so loud right now with everybody going to lunch. So let's just hang on for a couple minutes and let them pass. <laughs> you went to Tijuana. <laughs> Usually you go to Tijuana and end up with a tattoo. <laughs> what year was that? 98, 99. Okay. <laughs> 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago. I've been working with Saiton for 20 years. I do all of the R&D. Pretty much anything new comes through my office. We're helping them. I'm on some patents with them. I'm on their advisory board. Um, and I work with them with a lot of new technology. And I've expanded to other companies but they're still the first one. I still work with them, and I have a super close relationship with their owners. You're always looking for what the next thing is. Well, I mean, That's what, one of them. What's your, what's your goal? I mean, you know, listen, on a facial rejuvenation side, we want tightening with no scars. That's what we want. We want to be able to restore ourselves to our youth with the least amount of trauma and the least amount of surgery and the least amount of pain and the least amount of downtime. And we certainly cannot take a 65-year-old lady with loose skin and create a 40-year-old lady with her with no downtime. But facelifts are tremendously powerful. But I can take a 45- or 50-year-old woman who's starting to get a little bit of laxity and a little bit of fat, and I can kind of restore them with minimal effort and minimal downtime. And that's our goal. We're pushing that envelope. What about what's happening with body contouring right now? I know that market's really shifting again. Well, you know, there's a lot of things now. Cool sculpting was the first. I mean, we were very involved with Ultra Shape in the beginning. And so now there's multiple different devices out there for uh, non invasive fat removal from, you know, laser based to cold based to ultrasound based, different energy types of devices that we're using. And that's, you know, Ultra Shape, Cool Sculpting, and, you know, Sculpture. Then there's a true sculpt, which is radio frequency. So there's four different types of energy used for fat busting. And now we're getting into the muscle building phase. You have M-Sculpt, you have Cool Tone. You then have also one from uh, Qterra has another muscle building device, and I'm sure there'll be others. 
I mean, that's the nature of this industry that it's sort of flat and then you have one company coming into something and boom, you got a whole bunch of competitors and it's our job to figure out what's best for the patients. And we try, I try everything on myself. I met with a wound, a scar company earlier, has a new device that may come out in a few years. So, you know, we're projecting out a few years as what's coming out. I love to be on the sniff out new technology. Was there ever anything that you thought, wow, we really shouldn't have done that one? Or what was it? a big flop that you can remember? I mean, I think in terms of flop, commercial flop was sculptured, really didn't pan out in our practice like we thought it would pan out. I think the results were good in the studies and not so great in clinical use. I loved Althera for a while, but it hurt and there were a lot of non-responders and it worked for some patients. So sometimes these companies, I don't want to say the companies overpromise. I think that maybe we have a little more feeling that this is going to do a little bit better than others. But, you know, I, I look, it's, it's a process. And, you know, you have to look at stuff retrospectively and say, look, this was the first thing. And a lot of people actually did really well with that and with Althera. But I think in the end, there's other things that we use. I mean, we love our microneedling devices. We do a lot of work with that. A current one I'm spending a lot of time with is the Lutronic Genius. And, you know, I, I really been pl- spending a lot of time on Cyton's R&D. I mean, they have a new IPL in BBL in motion that is basically being introduced Q4. It's going to be, it's, I think it's going to change the world and maybe we can't talk about that yet, but uh, that's something that's really going to change things. Body, body pigment removal. When do you think the laser companies are going to get better at naming their devices? Oh, well, they don't have a name for that one yet. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's hard. I've been on the naming side of things too, trying to do stuff. It's, it's not so easy because it gets confusing and there's a lot of similar devices out there and, I know the, my favorite is the Forever Young BBL, which yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody calls BBL, and then here came <laughs> right BBL. Here came the BBL. Right, so we have people calling for BBL, like, do you want fat or you want face? You know. Uh... <laughs> what kinds of other crazy phone calls do you get from from the public? Yeah, you know, probably not that that crazy stuff that they're looking for. I, I think that. It's a different world nowadays with the real selves out there because I think that we have an educated consumer mostly coming in. And, you know, that's my favorite is someone who's done a little homework and not too much homework. The problem is when they're starting to tell me what operation they want, when they're, I want this and this and I want, everyone wants a a breast lift with no scars. Well, if your breasts are down to your knees, that's not going to work. And, and they, you know, they, but they, you know, honestly, people know, they come in and I say, you need a breast lift. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. You know, and, and, but sometimes people just, just don't want to hear it. It's okay. The worst questions I have is that that really kind of gets me is when you see someone who doesn't know the difference between Botox and a filler. And and, and that's like, uh, you got to start from scratch. You really, they're a completely uneducated consumer and they're talking to their friends at lunch and they really have no clue. And they, you know, but most nowadays, the, the millennials and up and the, you know, the tail of the baby boomers and the millennials are very educated. They've done their homework before they came in. They've researched you. They, they've seen your videos and they, they kind of have a, relatively good understanding of things that needs a little bit of explanation. But, you know, Real Self has done a tremendous job in educating the consumer. And I'm glad to be a part of the advisory board and be a part of Real Self and help move Real Self to the future as well. I really didn't have an appreciation for all of the work the doctors have contributed to answer questions on Real Self until I had a child and had to ask questions on the internet about that and realized that there was a huge gaping hole in that space for accurate and trustworthy 
medical information. It doesn't exist. And it's, it's hard. But the, the, the problem with the internet, and, and I, I, I caution any consumer listening to this, is that it's hard to filter out the good from the bad. And everybody's an expert. And the person who finished school yesterday carries the same weight on the internet that someone who is the world's expert and wrote all the papers and gave all the lectures. And it's hard for the consumer to figure out, oh, Dr. So-and-so, he's the best because he's world-renowned. Okay, I heard this the other day. He's the world-renowned doctor in facelifts. Well, I've never seen a lecture by this doctor who's world-renowned. I've never seen a book chapter or an article by this doctor. I've certainly never seen a patient he's operated on. So how is this doctor world-renowned? You know, what makes someone world-renowned? To me, it's someone who teaches the other doctors who is recognized as an expert in the field because they're giving lectures on it and, and, and they are teaching other people how to do this. I think you're hitting on that, the challenge that Dr. Rorick has done a lot of work on, which is the public's misperception of credentials. And yeah. I, my conclusion after hearing what he and his colleagues did was they never will understand credentials. And so I'm curious uh, what you think about real self-verified in that effort for okay. improving it's, that situation. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So, so to Tom Siri, who is the CEO of RailSelf, and I, about two weeks ago, were on the phone. There was some doctor that was, was unhappy with the RailSelf's description of their specialty, of what, one of the cosmetic doctors or something like that. And so Tom and I, were, went, I went to this guy's website. I had Tom on the phone. And we're looking through this guy's credentials. Now, look, I'm a little older. I've been in practice for 20-something years, and I live this day-to-day. I could not figure out the guy's credentials. Okay? And, and, and if I couldn't figure it out, and I live this day-to-day, and Tom couldn't figure it out either, and he lives this day-to-day, how could the consumer figure this out? I mean, it was a, a member of some specialty or some board or something that we had never heard of. And we did a little more homework. We understood it a little bit. It was a little unusual, but it, it was very hard for the consumer to figure out. And, and really, I think for the most part, they can kind of get a handle on things, but it's sometimes a little difficult with some of the people trying to sneak one by on the consumer. Now, look, if you're a board-certified plastic surgeon that is a, a you know American Board of Plastic Surgery certified, you can understand that that doctor went through certain hoops to get to that certification. What you don't know is, you know, did they do two breast augmentations or 10,000 breast augmentations? And if you read any books by Malcolm Gladwell, you know, Outliers and all of the Me Too, you, you got to figure out that, it, it, you know, it, it requires a certain amount of time spent in the operating room doing a bunch of cases to get good at anything. Even if you have a great aptitude, you know, you, you, you think any basketball player that's playing in the NBA, they sure they have aptitude, but it took them a lot of uh, practice time to get to that level. They didn't just go on the field and compete with LeBron. In the tipping point, which one are you? Mm-hmm. All of them. That was Outliers, but Tipping Point, Outliers, and, and, and Goli- well, the David and Goliath book. I mean, I've read all of Malcolm Gladwell's books. The tipping point for me was transformative. And I remember there's the three types, the maven, the connector, and there's something else that I never remember. I'm the connector. I am the connector too. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. But but Outliers really taught me, I think that was the best of his books for me because it was that 10,000 hours. And, and, and no, I figured, look, I've been in practice for 20-something years, probably 22 years. I'm in the operating room three full days a week. And my days are not spent, my research interests and things are these non-surgical things, but my day job is, you know, building boobs and cutting faces and doing and sucking fat. And, you know, after a while, you, you, you better get good at it. Otherwise, you're not going to have any patients. You have to get good at it. 
So do you think that real self-verified badge and the, the work we've done to, to kind of reduce the cognitive load for the consumer to, to make a decision? I think it's a great first start. I think it definitely needs a little bit more, needs a little bit more. And we don't know what that more is, but it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful start. I agree. What do you think about what's happening with fillers and BDD right now? I know walking around the meeting, I see staff members who, to me, look very overfilled. And, it, and in, in public, I think it's an most, epidemic. I, I think that for the most part, if you look at our practice and the people come through our practice, they're not overfilled. We have a couple of patients here and there who just push us and push us and push us for more and more and more. And we try to let them, I usually give them the slash across the neck, like you're done, that's enough. You got to settle down for a while. But I think for the most part, people are not overdone. And I think part of it is a little bit agreed on the surgeon's part or the dermatologist's part that, hey, look, here's another $700 that's in my pocket because they can, you know, they want to pay for it. Let them give them, let's give them another syringe of filler. And it's, but that's not good for our industry and not good for the long term. You know, my business is not putting people through witness protection. My business is making people look younger. So I want people to look like a younger version of themselves, not a different version of themselves. Is Instagram causing some of this? No, but people are reasonable. You know, at least in my market, you know, maybe you got to pay for this stuff. So if you tell them it's going to be $10,000 with the stuff that's going to last six months, they're not going for that. You know, I, I tell them, go buy some shoes. Go to, go to Neiman's and buy some stupid shoes. You'll have it longer than the filler. So true. Life's a balance and just have to, listen, the, I, I think the basic thing with this is that something that someone told me in medical school that I kind of live my life by, which is a really simple philosophy for, the, for patients, is don't do anything to a patient that you wouldn't do to a family member. If you're my wife, you're my, you know, my whatever, this is, what I would, this is what I would do for you. And, if, and, and that means that you're not going to overfill them. You're not going to look at my, I'm not looking at my bank account when I have someone in the room. I look at them and I go, you know, if you were my family member, this is what I would do. And, and I think that kind of been using that philosophy of the last, you know, 22 years. And I think it served me well. I've been hearing at the meeting this week that there's a growing concern over practices buying followers on Instagram. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're stupid enough to choose your surgeon by how many Instagram followers, go down that rabbit hole. You know, it's like social media to me, you know, it's a little overplayed. I mean, I, I, I have a, I have, we have our office social media account on Instagram and Facebook, and I have my private Instagram account where I sit in bed at night and I look at stuff that I want to look at that no one can get there. I like watches. I like my cars. You know, I live in Florida, so I like to look at guns and stuff that might not be so PC. But you know, I don't care. That's what I look at. No one's telling me what I can't look, can look at and can't. But I don't post a lot of stuff. I like to sit and read about new stuff, and you know, I, I have fun. That's what that's what my iPad is for. I read my fiction books about terrorists and other things, and I go back and forth between my email and that and Instagram. And you know, I can chill out my brain a little bit after a rough day. Yeah, it's good for that. Do you think it's an, an ethical violation when doctors buy followers? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, these guys are, you know, again, we, ha we all know who some of these social media mavens are. And, and, and let me tell you something. I wouldn't let them cut my dog's toenails. I love my dog. And, you know, it's like, 
that's probably not so hard to cut the dog's toenails, but I wouldn't let them touch, touch, go near me or my family member. You know, know, look, it's experience level, but you know, here's the thing. You'll move to a new area. You move to South Florida. How do you choose your doctor? I want Botox. Well, who cares? It's going to go away. You're probably not going to get screwed up by one application of Botox, but now I want a surgery. How do I choose that surgeon? You know, what homework do I need to do? It's certainly not by a bunch of things I've seen on Instagram. No, I'd want to go to their, go on real self, look at some of the questions and look who's, see who's verified, go to the doctor's website. It's multi-touch. Luckily, if I have someone that they've operated on that can recommend them, that's great. Read the reviews, but don't read the reviews too closely because those of us who are super busy don't really reach out to everyone and try to get 100,000 reviews. And typically the ones that are our bad reviews are the ones that, you know, I slipped and fell in the parking lot. Okay. One lady gave us a bad review because she lost her ring. I'm like, okay, well, that's nothing to do with my surgical skills. You know, we were too expensive on a filler and we wouldn't give them a discount. But these are the kind of things that people post. You know, you know yeah. they put too much ketchup on my hamburger. It's you know, usually service related or experience stuff. related and not, not results related. Right. So Tom gave me some questions to ask you. Okay. We'll give you the easy one first. He said, uh, we hear you're a beast on the Peloton. Yes. Me and Tom, I go back and forth. So I'll give you the impetus behind this, okay? Okay. So I've always exercised for the last, I was sort of a chubbier adolescent, I would say. So, you know, I've, I've always had this. And my dad was a, was a diet doctor. He was a physician who did a lot of weight loss. So it was always something. We do a lot of lipo. So I try to stay fit my whole life. And I go through periods of my life where I probably did a little less exercise than other periods. So about two years ago, I was pissed off because my pants were tight. So I'd go to a meeting and I, look, I live in Florida. I wear jeans to work and I change into scrubs or shorts. I'm in scrubs all day. And it was a relatively casual lifestyle. But when I come to these meetings, I have to be in a, now I'm in a sport coat, but I'm in a suit and tie at meetings. So I had my rack of suits and jackets and I'd go to a meeting and I'd pull something off and it was tight on me. It would piss me off because I'd have to be sitting in these tight pants all day. So that was the impetus. So I had tried to buy it a year before. It was a Black Friday special. And I'm like, told my significant other. I said, I said I'm buying my fiance. And I said, I'm, we're, I'm buying this. And, and okay. Did you see the marketing? Did you see them in a store? I, you know, and I or? never spun in my life. I never did a spin class, but I was tired of the elliptical. I loved the stepper. We didn't have the ceiling height in our gym for the big stepper. So I bought it and I went on it the first day and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> like I literally thought I was going to die. My butt hurt. Uh, that thing hurts the first couple of days. You use, it takes about a week to get used to it. And I was out of breath and I'm like, and I was in pretty decent shape and it just killed me. And I just stayed on it and I ride it about four days a week. And Tom and I go back and forth. We text each other pictures of our stats for the day. And what I like about it is, look, with all these lasers and things, we're very precise. I like metrics. So I, have a, I monitor my heart rate. I monitor the amount of calories I burn, I amount of the amount of energy I expend. So I have, I can kind of better myself and get my better stats. And lo and behold, it didn't hurt as much and my butt didn't hurt anymore. And my cardiovascular status started getting better, but I gained weight for the first month. I probably put on a little leg muscle mass and then it's, then I lost 15 pounds. All my clothes fit. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm, if I don't do it, I'm in a really grouchy mood. So then we got Tom to get one and he, Tom beat me on the test. I was so pissed off. He did a little bit better than me on the fitness test. But let, let, let's chalk it up to age. He's a little younger than me. 
<laughs> okay. So that's my Peloton story. So, so you know, I, I, I'm a, I've become evangelical about the Peloton. I've probably sold about 20 units for them. Is there anything you've learned from their product or their marketing that's helped you? Oh, it's super smart. They're super smart. You know, it's funny because I had a conversation this morning with a laser company who's looking to bring something to the U.S. And I was talking about the Peloton valuation, which was a million members at $39 a month makes it quite valuable. Wall Street likes a subscription model. So, you know, we have HintMD. I'm an investor in that company. And, you know, with Hint, it's a subscription model. So there's a lot of value to that subscription model. And, you know, I looked at one of the things that I talked to Tom about was well, why isn't Peloton advertising on real self? You have a targeted consumer who's health conscious, who's fitness conscious, who wants to look better. What better advertiser than Peloton on real self? Good question. You have an anti-aging component to your practice. We do. We've had a larger one in the past, and we're going to reinvigorate that a a bit. What separates what you're doing from the the, you know, the most quackery is in that space. So how are uh, you great. differentiating you know, It's yourself? funny because we've talked about adding anti-aging to real self and, and keeping that a component. And one of the questions we had was, how do we keep the quacks off of it? You know, who's credible? Who's, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm involved with A4M and the anti-aging society. So, you know, in, in the past, it was relatively simple. It was more about hormone replacement, but it's got into IV therapy and other things and vitamins. But, you know, I look at it as a continuum of care. If, if you have liposuction with me, you're going to have a better result if you exercise. So that's the first thing. That's how they try to get, get them to buy a Peloton and other things. But I don't care what they do as long as they watch their food intake and they, and they exercise a bit because they're probably not going to gain it back if they change their lifestyle a little bit. And if, they're, if, if you're a guy with gynecomastia, I want to check your estrogen levels. Because you may get it back if you have high estrogen. If you have low testosterone, you know, there, there's no stigmata to it anymore. I mean, if, if you have low testosterone, hey, it's like a thyroid being low. You take a pill, you take an injection, you take a cream, whatever it might be. And, you know, with testosterone, it's creams, injections, or pellets. And you get your level up and uh, you feel better, you act better. And it's not just about the libido increase, which does happen a bit, but your energy level goes way up. And I can tell you because I've been on it. How would you tell a consumer to recognize a quack in that area? It's someone who's trying to oversell you, you know. And I think that that's that mentality that you see these guys on, you know, see some of the questions that they'll answer on Real Self where they tell you that, you know, it's in order to get better, you need to do this, 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 and this, and this, even though there aren't studies that show that adding all these things together gives you any better result than one thing. I think you have to be very cautious about people who are trying to line their pockets and overpromise and underdeliver. That's good advice. Okay, I have two more questions. What do you think about revamps and, and what's going to happen there? Do you so, have a prediction? So, uh, so I, I think this is uh, probably not the right question to ask me because I'm an investor in, in revamps and I was an investor pre-IPO and I keep buying more stock. I think it's going to revolutionize the industry and not just the cosmetic side, the therapeutic side. People want longer lasting results. I mean, what's the best thing that happened to fillers was Voluma, Right. You know, I, I did a lot of radius, so I love radius, but the problem with radius, you can't reverse it. So Voluma was great. What, what was the best thing about Voluma? It had a two-year indication. 
know, people want value for their money. I don't care how rich they are. I can't tell you how many wealthy people I take care of in the practice who don't want to waste their money. People want value. So if you have a toxin and you, that lasts for six months and you don't need more needles and you're not going to get bruised and you don't have to waste your time coming to my office, I think it's going to be a huge seller. And from the therapeutic side, if you have, you know, torticollis and other things and migraines, if you have a longer duration with less risk of antibody formation, I think that's going to be a huge winner. So you could use toxin on torticollis on babies? Uh, well, I mean, they have all these other indications for muscular indications of this, of, of Botox. Of, of Botox is approved for a lot of therapeutic side of things. So if you can have kids coming in with things and cerebral palsy and other things and need less protein load and less, who wants needles? Yeah, nobody. My dad just had it on his esophagus. Yeah. And so every day it seems like I hear about a new application that I didn't know about before. Okay, last question. Everyone has a superpower. What is your superpower? Oh, that's pretty good. What's my superpower? I, I would tell you that based upon what we said before, I'm good at putting things together, connecting A to B. So I like to read wide and I like to visit other specialties and I like to look at things from one specialty. I think the problem with medicine nowadays is that we don't talk to each other. Everyone's got such a narrow focus. And there may be some research or something in one field that has zero use currently in our field, but it's better suited for that. So, you know, my eyes are open and I like to read and, I, and I'm pretty open-minded. So I, I think that my, I'm an open-minded, connected, superpower super person. <laughs> I'll add you to my list of people I share intel with because yeah. I do the same thing. Yeah, constantly. I mean, it's, it's fun, but, it's, but that's fun. And you know what? The one thing is I noticed with a lot of doctors is, you know, people always have their hand out. You know, there's, there's something for karma. Don't have your hand out all the time. You know, and I like to help people. And there's a lot of stuff we do for free in our practice and other things that I don't talk about. And I don't say, oh, I treated this cancer patient on, real, on, on Instagram. No, that's between me and the patient. And if I treated somebody, that's for my, that's for my karma and because I wanted to help that person. You know? So I, I think that people have gotten so selfish and it's always just everybody is about what's in it for me. You know, like go out of your way and help people a little bit. You know, it'll come back to you. And if it doesn't, you know, who cares? I'd add, let's all slow down a little bit too. Yeah. I like, I like the style of how you work. Thank you. Thanks for sharing yourself with us today. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. It was, it was fun. Thanks for listening to the Real Self University podcast. The mission of Real Self is to create a world where every investment in modern beauty is worth it, and Real Self University is here to help aesthetic professionals do just that. The mission of our podcast is to uncover stories and data from our industry's most interesting and successful personalities. If you'd like to be a guest on the Real Self University podcast, have feedback or questions, email university at realself.com. Support us and help us keep this effort going by subscribing to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about becoming Real Self Verified, go to realself.com slash network and enter referral code podcast to receive 50% off your first full month of Real Self Spotlights. I'm your host and producer, Eva Shea. Our post-production is by Daniel Cruiser. All of our learning and practice development resources are available on demand at university.realself.com.